John chapter 11. I'm going to get right into this. This one's called Stones and Groans, Discovering Resurrection, Living in the Tombs of Life. And next week, out of the same verses, I'm going to preach more about this. And uh, that one's called Lost in Translation. And hopefully that'll be a great encouragement to you. This is kind of a little dated, but I don't know if there's anyone here who remembers Merv Griffin Show. If you remember the Merv Griffin Show, then you're part of the Ancient of Days Club. But the Merv Griffin Show, one time, they had, these, they had a bodybuilder there. I guess he's a world-class bodybuilder. He's on the program, you know, and I know this because I'm older now. And it's just funny sometimes how us as older people, see, what's older? Anything over 20. Uh, how we think, how we think about things, about life. It just, it's just so different. It's hard to sometimes to relate to people that are real young and things they say or do. It's like, so on Merv Griffin's show, he had these bodybuilders. And it's so simple and so plain that it sounds like something an old person would say. And so he sees these, these bodybuilders and he's interviewing this guy. And this guy's a world-class bodybuilder. And so he asked the guy, so what do you... He said, man, impressive. The guy comes out, you know, looks a little bit like me. And he's out there. He's showing them. And he says, so what do you, you got all these muscles. What are they for? And the guy goes. <laughs> and Burn Griffin looked at him and said, okay, but that's impressive. But, but, but what are they actually used for? What do you use them for? So he does another pose. And so Merv Griffin said again, he said, read my lips. What do you use the muscles for? Then the guy did one more pose. And Merv Griffin looked at him and said, so basically they're useless. They're just all for show. And I thought, you know, we're Christians for what? And we flex our spiritual muscles. For what? Okay, okay, you're a Christian. You do your flex, so you got it. Okay, powerful. But for what? What? And the question is, for what are you using your life? For what? You got all this, whatever it is, for what? And I think it's so easy. Before I really get into this, it'd be a short message, because I'm not sure we could all handle a long one of these. Especially after we had a revival with Alvin. God touches our life, does these things in our hearts that only God can do for what? It's not so we can spiritually flex. It's not so we can walk around and tell people how strong we are, how much faith we have, how good we are, how much we pray and read our Bible. Those are all just flex positions. But it's really to be useful. And I think... And I know this because I've pastored for 30-some years. I'm just as guilty as anyone. But I, I think it's easy to kind of forget what the bigger picture is sometimes. It's so easy just to get caught up in the moment of living life, going, shuffling, paying bills, trying to be, whatever you're doing, you, you live it and you're going and and you go to church, get a word from God. God speaks to you. Yeah, I got a word. Great, I got a word. Tell you my word. Tell you. And we get going and like, well, stop for a moment. What are we, what are we, what are we doing? Why, are, why is God doing this in our hearts and lives in the first place? Well, he's changing us for you and I to become more like Christ. We all can agree on that. But beyond that, there's a purpose. How I many know we're here for 
His glory, not our own. I think it's so easy to forget that. A pastor called me actually this weekend, and he's just, I don't know all the details, but he said, hey, Carrie, I might be able to bless you. And I'll listen to anyone who wants to say that. He said, maybe I get you a buy a new house and a new car. He just talking. I mean, no, it talks cheap. So I listened to him. I said, I don't need a big car. I don't need, a, I don't need a new, this and this. I said, just something simple and easy. And I said, and by the way, bro, you ain't got much time left on earth. And he thought for a moment. He said, you know, that's true. And I said, so what are we going to do? You know, a story we're going to read. I want you to think about it because we're going to look at it a little differently as we go through it. I've already preached on John chapter 11. I talked about truth. Talked about Mary and Martha, Martha and Mary. And the first one was talking about truth, our need for truth. And I talked about our need and for tears. You and I were cried. The story is about a young man who dies early in life. We don't know what disease he had, but he had something. He dies early. His name was Lazarus. And we talked about tears. And last week I preached on for Alvin came. I talked about anger. What do we do with our anger? If I was going to call this one anything different, I didn't want to change all the artwork. I would call it a time to help others. And I want you to think about it. It's not going to be very long. I want you to grab a few things. I want all of us to really consider. And as I read some verses throughout this sermon later, I want you to really think about what I'm saying. I mean, to really think about it. How many times can you hear a sermon or hear a verse or read a verse or talk to God and it touches you so deeply, it transforms your life. In other words, you start living differently. That's what I want this morning. I want something to happen so deep within us that we walk out. We may look the same, but inwardly, the inward man is something's changed in our hearts. Something's changed in our life. Something changed inwardly that you can't describe, but you know, you know what? I'm going to begin to live my life just a little differently for Christ. Let's get into the verse. John chapter 11. I'm going to read a couple of verses. John chapter 11. Jesus goes to the Mary and Martha, their brother, who has died. Let's just go to verse 17. Jesus comes. When Jesus came, he found Lazarus. had already been dead in the tomb four days. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid them? And they said, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then Jesus, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave. And a stone lay upon it or against it. Jesus says, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there's an odor. He's been dead for four days. But Jesus said to her, did I not tell you if you believed, you would see the glory of God. Verse 41, just a small part of it. So they took the stone away. So they took the stone away, and in this story, it's amazing because next week and next week, we're going to find that in death and in disaster, some good can come out of it at the end. But in the beginning, it looks absolutely terrible. I mean, it looks like, in fact, one translation say it is hopeless at this moment, but that's not my point today. My point today is it's a story about two women named Mary and Martha. And a man, young boy or young man, I should say, named Lazarus. And his name actually has a double meaning. His name, Lazarus, means one whom God helps. 
But it also means one without any help. And I said, how can that be? I said, that's fitting because any one of us, you know what? If God can help us, but if we choose for God not to help us, then we can live our life without help. We can choose. We can live either way. We can live with the help of God or without the help of God. But in our story, which let me get to the first point. It's not going to be up there. It's very simple. It's, it's the call to help even when we ourselves are broken. When I was in the hospital, I don't know if it was the first time or the second time. But the hospitals, I didn't know this, but they're very packed. They're so packed, they're, they're very careful about to give who a room. You have to wait. First time I was in the emergency, you're literally in the hall. Then the first time I was in the hall for a day. And how many know it's hard to sleep in a hall of the emergency? You got a lot of crazy folks coming in there. I know they said that about me too. Anyway, I've said that about that. Look at me, he's a crazy old white guy. Anyway, but you sleep in there in the hall trying to sleep. You can't sleep. You're literally in a hall emergency. It's terrible. It's crazy. And but finally, they finally put me in a little room. It wasn't a real room yet. They put me in a place for another day. And I didn't have anything the first time. I take my cell phone. I, I didn't plan on having this mini stroke. And so I'm without anything. But at that moment, you know, when you're going through that, you really don't care about a lot of things. You care about life. You care about others. You care about people who you love. That's all you think about, really, in those moments. You don't think about anything else. And that time was just like the second time, very similar. But I was stuck there at the hospital. And, and boy, I didn't want to be there. And the second time I'm there and they tell me, I said, hey, can I go? I just got there. I said, hey, can I go now? I'm doing better. And he said, oh, no, you were just here, sir. You're going to stay longer. I said, stay longer. I was, he said, no, you were just here. We don't want you coming back. It's a lot of cost. I said, oh, my word, how long? We say that, don't we? All different things in life. How long, Lord? Man, this is terrible. So I said, well, how long? They said, oh, we don't know, two or three days. I said, oh, no. Oh, no, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. No, sir, you're not out of here. You can't, if you, if you, it'd be against doctor's orders if you leave. So I called my wife. I said, if I leave, does insurance pay for it? She goes, no, I'm staying. <laughs> okay, I have to stay. So, but I'm there. And what's crazy about when you're in a position like that or a place like that, you get to see some things you don't really get a chance to see. And I was there in the hall there, <clears throat> just sitting there. At one moment, I see a lady screaming. She's on some kind of drugs. They're trying to calm her down. Another man. Bring another man who'd been shot, another man been beat up. Uh, then they bring someone by me. <clears throat> you see someone overdosing on, I guess, some kind of drugs. They're all running, getting to them. You hear someone screaming. Then the guy next door to me was, I don't know, he was fighting with the nurse, fighting with the, the workers, rah, screaming like a madman. I mean, all these sounds and all these things. Then they moved me. They finally moved me, so we got a room for you. They're moving me. And I'm going through the emergency, and I'm seeing all the little cubicles. And those are just glimpses of people's lives. I see a young man, I see a young woman, I see a young family. And this one family, I see them all gathered around in the emergency. They're not supposed to be there. They don't allow family to come because of COVID and stuff. So when I had all this family, this one little room, I knew the person that was in the room was dying. So I go by and I see them all gathered together. I'm looking at it and watching all these people. <clears throat> and the thought that I had in this the sermon I'm preaching was... <clears throat> I wish at that moment, I said, I wish I could just stay here and comfort these people. I, I, wanted, to, I wanted just to jump off the gurney and go in that room and tell the people, hey, I'll pray with you. Can I pray with you? But, 
but I don't know, they didn't know me, and, and they wouldn't let me do that anyway. And, and I said, I wish I could find out who doesn't have any comforter in here. I could go comfort them. But I was not in the position to go comfort anyone. They wouldn't let me out of my little thing. In fact, if you get up crazy, they will strap you down. So you got to say, like, calm, like, I'm cool, I'm cool. So they don't get all radical on you. So uh, you got to cooperate. But I thought, you know, I like to help these people, but I'm in no position to help them, really, at this moment. I told my wife I got back. I said, I wish I could do more. I wish I could help more. If I could do one thing, I'd like to comfort people who have no one. And I thought, I said, I'd really like to do. I've tried to do it before. It didn't work out because of my condition. And I'm good one moment. Next five, five minutes, I'm not very good at all. So I can't be very dependable to do that. But the point I'm making is this. <clears throat> Is there's times, like our story, you know what our story is really about? Our story is about two women. Their brother dies. And it's about getting involved in someone else's life. Because if Mary and Martha do not get involved in someone else's life, Lazarus is never going to live. Think with me. Lazarus is never going to get any help if they don't get any help. And Jesus is going to ask them, you, you can read it yourself, he's going to ask them to remove the stone. You know, he's in the tomb. He's going to ask them to remove the stone. And I thought to myself, very simple, the stone is something very heavy. The stone cannot be moved by one or two people. It takes many people to move the stone. And I thought, unless everyone gets involved and moves the stone, unless everyone that's there gets involved and does something, this, this young man is not going to live. He's already dead, but he's not going to find resurrection life is what I mean. And so, yes, there are times, and I believe this. Remember, Mary and Martha, what are they doing at this moment? They are broken and they are weeping. They, they have been crushed by life. But that does not stop God from asking them to move the stone. God may ask you to lift something heavy when you yourself are broken. God may ask you to move something. Yeah, I want you to move. God, this stone is very heavy. Uh, do you see that right now is not the time to be asking me to remove a stone? This thing is heavy. It's hard. He, he doesn't allow the emotions of the moment to stop him from declaring his will to those people's lives. That's what this story is about. Stepping in. Helping someone when you're broken yourself allowing God I preached about it, allowing God to step into your brokenness so you can do what he's asking you to do and unless they do something nothing's going to happen and then when God does do something when God does step in to Lazarus's life and Lazarus does come out we know the story he's bound hand and foot he's completely covered and Jesus says to those he brings resurrection life but he expected those people to loose him and let him go in other words I we need each other from the beginning and all through our experiences of our Christian life Mary and Martha you loose him and let him go unwrap him well, God, if, if you got all this power, what's the whole deal about me removing the stone? Why, why are you asking me to remove the stone? Why are you, why are you asking me? Where, where, where have you laid it? Aren't you God? Don't you know those things? Yes, he does. But he, he wants you to know that he knows. But unless they get involved, Jesus can bring life. But unless they unwrap him and let him go, unless they help him, He's not going to make it. 
You know what? We need God and others a lot more than we think we do. Yes, God will work a miracle, but there are some things that God expects us to do, and there's some things that God expects you to do and me to do. How do we know Jesus could have walked into the tomb and said, stone, be gone? But he says, he walks to the tomb and says, okay, where have you laid him? You're God, don't you know that? Come on. Then he says, remove the stone. Okay. Aren't you going to move for me? No. That stone can symbolize so many things. It could be the stone of unbelief. It could be the stone of bitterness. It could be the stone of selfishness. It could be the stone of self-will. There are some things you have to remove if you expect me to move. There are things in your life that block the power of God from coming in. And that I won't touch. That's your holy ground, and that's between you and God and your own self-will. That's you right there. You've got to deal with this. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that for you. You're going to deal with that yourself. You know the hardest person to deal with? Is yourself. Other people are really good at it. Doing it for you. But if you're honest, the hardest person to deal with is yourself and your self-will. Some of you got mad because Tim asked you to move forward. I mean, just think about it. How deep is your salvation? About that deep? Someone asked you to move. I didn't say I was going to put you on the cross. I just asked you to move two seats. That's it. Just move up. If that happens again, Tim, just walk over to him and say, in the name of Jesus, come out! (laughs) But if they don't do something, he doesn't live. Second point. It's the call and it's a challenge to care for others when you and I are ourselves broken or troubled or in a difficult place. But you fill in the blank you want. But I want you to listen to these New Testament verses because it tells you and I how we ought to live our lives. And I pray that God will speak to you. So I'm going to read just a few verses. First John 4.11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Romans 15 verse 7, Welcome one another or accept one another's Christ as welcome you for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 25, the members may have the same care for one another. 1 Peter 4, 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of the very grace of God. Ephesians 5, submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Thessalonians says, always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Colossians says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom. And the word admonishing there, it means to warn, it means to counsel, but it has the idea, it means to warn somebody, but to get in their face to warn them. It's, it's, it's a brother talking to a brother, or a sister talking, or a pastor talking to someone, or someone talking to someone. But it's you and I as brothers and sisters in Christ. It's warning one another. It means to get in their face, saying, hey, don't, be, don't do that. It's not good. That's what we're called to do. That's what it says. That's the Bible, by the way. But then it goes on. It says, Romans 15, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant to you that you live in harmony. There it is again. With one another according to in accord with Jesus Christ. And 2 Corinthians says comfort 
one another. And man, if you've ever been through it, you appreciate the comfort of the saints of God. If there's anything that you really appreciate is when you are really down or been troubled or deeply broken, the people of God come along and they comfort you. All those verses I just read, some of you say, Pastor, that's enough Bible already. But all those verses say nothing about, they don't even ask us if you feel like comforting somebody. They don't ask us if you feel like serving one another. They don't ask us any of those questions that we ask ourselves today. These were commands. This is how I want you to order your life. One another. In the New Testament church, today, it's like we got so far away from what, how it was lived in Bible. They were linked together. They were together. I know it was different. They had churches in their house for 300 years. I get that. But it was a family. They were, they were linked together. They moved together. And I lived in Africa for a while. And the phrase they used there, I will move with you. And we don't understand that phrase. It means to be with someone all the time. So I would go somewhere and say, Pastor, where are you going? So I'm going to the store. I'm going to move with you. And they'd come with me. You'd be like your shadow. New Testament church, they were there. They, that kind of relationship, that intimacy, that... For one another, it was there, one another, one another. But today, that's not how it is lived. Today, Christianity, it's not for one another, it's for myself. It's like it's been so, I don't mean to use a word, I don't know, the word watered down. I don't know what you would use, how to describe it. But every word, I just read a few verses. All these verses talk about caring and loving and sharing and serving. One another, one another, one another, one another. That's what it says. That's the Bible. And so reading those verses, would you look at those verses and say, you know what, that, that's how, exactly how I live. That's my aim of my life. I'm really, that's, that's me. Or would you say, you know what, that's pretty foreign to me. Or would you look at that and go, you know, I never thought of that. That's not how I live. But that's how God expects us to live. Point three. The call to care is challenged by ourselves. It seems like we have lost ourselves. I won't spend much time on this part as far as social media goes. You know, I'm not a, social media, you ought to use it for good. You know, I, I don't know if any of you ever heard of social media. You know, but you ought to use it for good. So how can I use it for good? You're in the church. I preach a sermon. You, if you have a Twitter account or you have a, any of these other accounts, you hear a sermon, you hear something I say, you should go tweet it. You hear a sermon I preach, you like it, you should share the sermon. Anything that's available, I think we ought to use for good and for God's glory. But to do that, that only happens if you're thinking about others. It doesn't happen if you come to take and not give. Because you come to take, you, that's exactly what you do. You come and you take. You say, that's great. I, I love that thought. Well, why don't you share that thought with someone else? Why don't you tweet that or, or share it? Put it on Instagram. Or why don't you get it out there anyway? Well, that, that only happens if you're thinking like that. If you're thinking about others. So what's the, well, 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 how come I don't do that? How come I don't think like that? But why don't I, how, how come I'm not doing that? How come I'm not even thinking like that? Well, where's the block or the block? What's the challenge? It's you. It's ourselves. I don't know who 
invented selfies. I'd like to meet Mr. Selfie one day. So what were you thinking? I'm not going to read the articles that I've had in the past I didn't use, but, you know, I remember, and I said, you're going to say, oh, Pastor, you're, 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 uh, you're aging yourself. I remember growing up as a little kid, and my neighbor took me to the forest. Took me to the forest, uh, took me to a lake, and I grew up in South Phoenix. I didn't know there was a forest. This may sound really ignorant, but that's how ignorant I was. I grew up in the city. I grew up right there in South Phoenix. And I'd never been to a forest, never seen a forest in real life. I've only seen pictures. I didn't know they even existed. My neighbor took me to the forest. I guess he felt sorry. We've got to show the world to this kid. He doesn't know there's actually trees in this world. So him and his, his son, who was my best friend at the time, we went out to, uh, to this big forest in northern Arizona. And all this forest, it just, when I got there, I get out of the car. I'm looking. I still remember it because it was, blew me away. I looked around and all I seen was just like, I was just in awe. I was like, it was like these pictures, but it was, it was real. I was looking around and go, man, wow. I just look at the lake. I saw a lake and it just, and I said, man, I, this is my country. I kept saying, this is my country. This is where I'm going to live. I didn't know it existed. Now it's my country, right? And that's all I did because I was, I was, I was caught up in the wonder of it all. In admiring everything, I was taken in the moment. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. But today, the first thing people do when they walk into beauty of God's creation, it could be a waterfall. They go see a beautiful water. The first thing they think about is to take a picture of themselves. Why would you want to take a picture of yourself and ruin the photo? But I, you know, I say that we're, we're all going to laugh together, but that, that's the mindset of people. It, it's, it's about me. Look at me in front of the waterfall. Look at me in front of the forest. Look at me. Look at me. Watch me. Examine me. Me. Who think? Well, that's what people do. Who? No one else is going to take a picture of me, but me. Why? Because I love me. Because my mind is on me. That's why. My mind is on me. You don't sound, it doesn't sound like you're, you're a Christian. I'm not saying you can't take a selfie. So you say, oh, they're against selfies now, huh? That's not what I'm saying. But if Jesus were here right now, I don't think he'd walk around and say, hey, Paul, can I get a selfie? Me and you. Thanks, man. Posting that on Godgram. Hey, I just thought of that one. That's a good one. Someone ought to start one called God Graham. But you think about it, it just, it's just, and, and, and honestly, it's just kind of weird. No matter what it is, something beautiful, you gotta, first thing to think about is, I, I, I gotta get a picture of me. Okay. And, and these phony, goofy, fire smiles people give on Instagram. Someone needs to say, you look retarded. Just act normal. You look like a, don't do that, please. Just act normal. But their mind, you know, the, you know, listen to this. I've said this before. The Bible says in the last days, it's going to be very difficult and troubling times. Second, Second Timothy 3. It's going to be very difficult and troubling. Difficult times will come. 
What does it say? Men will be lovers of, lovers of, and when I say that, you say lovers of self, and you think, yeah, they, that's how they are. That's who we are. Let me read a version, and it says it like this, 2 Timothy 2, 3, 1, it says, but understand this, in the last days, dangerous times will come, great stress and trouble will come, difficult days will lead to heart, it will be hard to bear, for people will be lovers of self, narcissistic, self-focused, lovers of money, impelled by greed. Another version says, they will be selfish, greedy, and conceited. He said, understand this, the last days, it's going to be difficult, people will be lovers of selfies. It's not what it says. I put that in there. But he's talking to the church. In the last days, talking to the church, people will love themselves. Years ago, being a narcissist or being narcissistic, it means to be in love with yourself. Here's what the word means. Narcissism or being a narcissistic person, it means to... Inordinate fascination with oneself. It means an excessive self-love, vanity. If you look at the definition, it goes on and says, it's the normal condition of a child. That's how a child would act when they're being developed. When they're being developed. You're 50 50 years old, bro, and you're narcissistic. We used to, I don't know if you can get this one. Okay, thank you. I got two in the house. When a person takes doing this, they're in love with themselves and being narcissistic or being that type, we, we, we spoke against it. We said, that's not, that's not how you're supposed to be. Today, it is almost, it's normal to be that way. Well, we, don't, we don't say he's narcissistic. We don't say none of those things. That's just how we all are. It's about ourselves. It's called Facebook. It's called Instagram, and just picture, picture, picture of, of themselves, different parts of themselves, different parts of their head, their body, their mind, their stomach. They're eating, they're not eating, they're resting. They're, it's all about the, who, the whole thing's about just picture of them, picture of them, picture of them. Who in the world? But people do it. Now, I'm not saying against it. I'm not, I, if you have it, bless your heart. You probably won't ever come back, I know. But the point I'm making is that used to be deemed as something very unhealthy and weird, actually. And today it's accepted like, because we, we tell you, can I say it? Outside this world, the world's not waiting to see a picture of you. I know, he just say that. You say, oh yeah, they can't. I'm going to show them what I ate. Take a picture of what I'm eating. That's a taco. No kidding. That's a taco plate. No kidding. That's what I ate. Oh, I was wondering what you ate today. I got up this morning wondering, what did they eat today? Thank you for telling me. All these pictures. Then they take pictures in weird places. Doing weird things. You know why? Because they're weird people. You meet them, they're they're weird. In in real life, they're kind of normal. Yeah, you're doing good, right? You look at Instagram, oh my, what happened to them? On Instagram, it's like, who is this person? Who is this guy? Is he he, he checking to a hospital? He needs to go to a hospital. No, I'm laughing. This guy, oh no, he's an usher. In the church. No, I'm just kidding. None of our ushers. Don't just say, who's he talking? No, none of our ushers. I'm not saying. I'm just giving an example. So we come and it falls over in the church. We come to church with what? We come to church 
well, I'll use this since we just talked about it. You know, we come thinking, where am I going to sit? Who am I going to sit with? I hope the preachers preach something I like, or I hope the pastor says something that ministers to me. I hope Sinel leads a song or Dale and Sinel worship song that I like. Why? Because it's all about me. They come in and, hey, bro, what's going on? Let me tell you about my problems. Nothing wrong with that. But if that's all your story you have, you probably need to change your story some. If every time we see you and all we hear is the same story we've heard for the last 10 years, you probably need to change the story. You know the reason why you do that? Because it's about you. So what if, and I have, like I said earlier, I've been pastoring 30 years, and, and I'll say it because the sermon's almost done. It really is. It's not true. It's not almost done. But some of the most miserable people I know are people that are, are full of themselves. And I, I couldn't figure it out on my phone. I'm, I mean, not that tech savvy. I don't know how to do, I don't, I know how to take one, but I don't know. Is there a selfie mode on a phone? There is? I don't even know where it's at. But that's how people walk into church in selfie mode. That's how people live their life in selfie mode. Instead of enjoying, if you're out in the forest, whatever, or seeing some beauty at the moment, seeing the beauty of God's creation in awe by God, people don't live in the moment. It's like they're watching other people live life and they fail to live life themselves. Today, the average person, I hear these pastors talk about social media, and they're using old facts. The new facts are most people that have a cell phone, they're looking at their Instagram or whatever. They do this, right? <clears throat> Almost 3,000 times a day. 3,000, not 200. Watching other people live their lives and not living a life. Self, you think about it. Move on here. You know, the secret of joy in a Christian's life is you giving yourself completely to Jesus Christ. And the best thing I could probably tell you today is for you to get over yourself. I know what I just said is not popular. That's the opposite of what you probably hear in most places. David, Psalms 27 says, One thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord in his presence all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty and delight of God. Here, here David says, You know what? <clears throat> I just want to I, I just want to get in God's presence. I don't want to be caught up in selfies. I don't, I don't need to look at myself. I get depressed, look at myself. Uh, I want, I'm going to get caught up in the presence of God. How, how many so enjoy the presence of God when Alvin is here preaching? Just get caught up. That's all, you don't care about nothing else at the moment. You know, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, after this I saw a great crowd, too, too great to count, from every nation, every tribe, and people, and language, standing in the front of the throne before the Lamb. 
They were clothed with white robes and held palm branches in their hands. And they were shouting with a great roar, Salvations come from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and the elders and the four living beings. And they fell before the throne, their faces to the ground, and they worshiped God. And they sang, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and forever. Trust me, when you get to heaven, you, you, you're not going to be taking no selfies. You'll be caught up in the glory of God. That's all. David says, that's all I want. Be caught up in God's presence, his beauty, who he is and what he is. That's all I want. If you were to stop running to heaven, the revelation, the Bible says, you can't even count. They're all worshiping God. They're just in awe of God. Hey, none of us can get up and say, Lord, be sure you picture me. Me at a waterfall. <laughs> That's me right there. Ain't that some? Or Jesus can't get a selfie. It's just like, come on, man, get over yourself. In awe of God. You know, we, this prayer, this man said it. It's so true. He says, in Matthew 6, most of you know it. Jesus said, when you pray, you pray, let that kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do we really want the kingdom of God to come on the earth? You say, yeah, of course. Do you really want the kingdom of God, it means his rule, to come into your life? Really? Backtrack. We come to church. I wonder how many came in this morning. Came with this mindset. I, I can't. I'm coming this morning. I just want to bless somebody. Man, I'm, I'm coming. I can't wait because that's what Christ is like. I, I can't wait to get there. I just want to be there, be the best I can be for them. Not for my ego. I came this morning. Pastor, I came this morning because I just want to be here. I just want to be that person that can give someone that encouraging word. I just want to be that person that maybe can comfort someone. I want to be the verses you read. I, that's the person I want to be. When I, I just come to give. I just come to bless. How many came with that mindset? I don't know you answered that. Some, most, a lot of folks, they just come to tell their story. They're wrapped up in themselves. Comfort someone else? Why? Why not? Who got up this morning and in your mind you said, I just can't wait to get there. To, who can I help? Who can I encourage today? Who can I lift up today? Because we're like, we're linked like this, man. I just got to, if we don't have each other, what do we have? I thank God for the family of God, the church. I got my natural family, mom and dad, brothers and sisters. Some are saved, some aren't. But this is my family. One man says this. We, we say that prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. This is what he says. This is a very serious searching question and deserves an answer but it deserves a sincere answer. He said, it is traditionally true to say that the uncounted millions of men and women have repeated those four words without having the faintest idea what the will of God really is. 
It is even more sobering to reflect that even more people have repeated them without any intention whatsoever of seeing that the Father's will would actually be done, even if they knew it. We do not earnestly intend to have God's will done on the earth like it is in heaven. Let me stop there. Let me show you a picture of a man. I don't know if you've been following, you can put that picture up. He's a young Marine, Ukrainian. Watch this video. Let me close with it. I'll share you some details about it. It's only like 15 seconds. that's you can stop it there it's fine the first day of the war with Russia 130 soldiers were killed the first day this young Ukrainian marine the Russians were coming down where this town that he's living and where they're coming into the city there's this big bridge he went to set up all these bombs to blow up the bridge so the Russians couldn't come, the tanks, they didn't come and kill everyone because they're killing civilians, children, doesn't matter, they don't care. And so he went to set up these bombs, he got the bombs set up and it dawned, it, he realized when he sets the bombs off, he's not going to live. He won't make it out in time. So he called his friend and says, listen, the only way this can happen is if I die. He said, but I'll save some lives in dying. And he chose to blow up the bridge. And because he chose to blow up the bridge, he killed, him, he killed himself. He said, because he did that, the Russians were forced to go a longer route. He saved, they say, I, no, I, no, I have no idea how many lives he saved. Jesus says, there is no greater love than a man who lay down his life for his friend. Our lives, I'm asking us just to look at your life and say you're really living it. Can the will of God be pressed upon your heart that you literally change course of your life? Say, you know what? That's what I wanted to do. Just as his will, this is what I'm going to do. This man, I don't even know if he's a Christian, but this man got it. So bow your heads. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Next week, I'll preach it. Lost in translation. Totally different message. You're here this morning. You're a Christian. I'm asking you to examine your life. Not what you say you believe, but how you actually live. When Jesus asked them to take away the stone, he was asking for action. I'll talk more about that next week. When you came this morning, where was your heart? Where is your heart, I should say, maybe? And where was it when you walked in? 
Was your mind preoccupied on others and serving and helping and blessing and lifting someone up? Or is your just mind is so set on doing your thing today, whatever that thing was or is, you say, this is what I'm going to do. You're not even thinking a second thought about someone else. You're here this morning, you're a Christian. If we're going to touch this city for God, we have to be the Christians that God has called us to be. I'm not talking about people who talk well. I'm talking about people who live well. We all have a part to play. If Mary and Martha don't do anything, Lazarus doesn't live. What you do and don't do really doesn't matter more than we'd ever realize.